everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and Bernhard Gunther. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about how to find your role in rebirthing the new world and how this relates to generations that are live here today. We're going to correlate it with the fourth turning, which is a concept uh, by Neil Howe and William Strauss. Some of you may heard of it, how this is also related to the Pluto generations that are alive today, how the Pluto generations evolve consciousness and what the bottom line is for these generations who are alive today, how we can evolve consciousness during these times, potential challenges, and really how to prepare ourselves both physically emotionally and spiritually for the times ahead. So basically, we are in the fourth turning right now. We're in the crisis period. This started, according to Neil Howe and William Strauss, at 2008 uh, with the financial crisis that happened back then. It's going to be going till 2028. So we're really in critical times right now. And I think it is really important that we understand that we each have a very unique role to play in evolving consciousness during these times. And rather than get worried and focused on the fear and the crisis and the doom and gloom, really understanding the deeper patterns at play here, I think will really help people ground themselves during these times. So before we get into all of that, I want to make a quick announcement about the next Embodied Soul Awakening program that we have, which is our 12-week online group coaching program in psychological and spiritual self-work with Bernhard Gunther uh, and myself, Laura Matsu. So the next enrollment or the next round is going to start July 25th until October 15th. And if you want to apply for that, just go to www.thetimeoftransition.com. Again, that's thetimeoftransition.com. <laughs> Um, and just learn, you can learn more about the course and apply there. And I just want to make a note because we've had a few emails lately, um, about people asking us about in-person retreats. So for those who don't know, Bernhard and I actually first started out doing in-person retreats in the jungle in Peru, and then all the kind of craziness happened and we switched it all online. So the answer is yes, we are being open and kind of in the beginning stages of seeding the ideas of having in-person retreats, most likely in the upcoming year. But we are going to change the game a little bit, and we aren't going to be working with people in person retreats anymore unless they go through our program, our, our Embodied Soul Awakening program, mainly because we want to go really deep in the in person retreats. And this is all a prerequisite, actually, for going deeper. So if you're waiting for our in person retreats to open up again, um, you, and, and you haven't taken our course yet, I highly recommend you jump on this next round. That's going to be the next opportunity. Um, and then we'll, we'll give the announcement probably a couple months in the future, whenever we have things more planned and solidified. Um, but we're actually just going to be reaching out to the people who we've already worked with and giving them the opportunity first. So the bottom line is if you want to work with us in person, yes, we are open to doing in-person retreats here in Sedona where we live. However, the prerequisite is going to be that you have to have done the online program with us or worked with us in some way in order to come just so that you have the basis, you know, because we really want to go deeper in the in-person retreats. We have a lot of special things in mind planned in, in the woodwork right now. Um, but we just, we, we found that the in-person retreats are way more effective if there's already a solid basis and shadow work of understanding your early childhood, your psychological, your basic kind of psychological issues. Um, so we really want to have, make sure that people have that foundation. So again, if you want to work with us, um, our next round for Embodied Soul Awakening is July 25th to October 15th. And you can get the link on Bernhard's website at veiloofreality.com or just go directly to the course page, which is thetimeoftransition.com. And with that being said, let's go into the topic of this podcast. So find your role in rebirthing the new world. All right. So... <clears throat> Well, a lot of things are happening, always happening. It's pretty intense, you know. I mean, I, I've written about this over the past few years. We haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I keep saying over and over, and that's what we're seeing right now. It is very intensifying. It is very obvious. We cannot deny the immense changes 
also on the basic physical material level. I mean, we cannot deny the inflation anymore, not only, by the way, in the US, but also in Europe. All of it's all the world is affected globally. You know, this is not just in the US. The US is going through its brutal return that's reflected in that as well. And Laura can talk more about that too. But it's happening globally. We're going through a big shift. You know, it's called the time of transition for a reason. And again, there's a lot of opportunity within the shift, but there's devolution, there is involution, there's disillusionment, the descent in order to ascend. Everything that is in alignment needs to be weeded out. And it's uh, obviously, we also see the archetypal battle of quote unquote dark versus light on multidimensional levels. They, this is occurring in the wars through us, right? But yeah, um, we cannot deny the, the financial crisis, economic crisis market crashes, cryptos, down and under a lot of crypto people, everybody's freaking out. But it's, we need to be careful. It's very easy to get in this doom and gloom, fear, negativity, fear frequency. And the irony of this whole economy, basically how it works, even markets, it's pure psychology in a sense, right? People uh, panic selling and all of that. It's, 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 it's all psychologically based. So especially, you know, people are highly focused only on a materialistic level, on a physical level, right? If they're just focused on that, have no spiritual or psychological foundation, they will have the hardest time because a lot of that stuff is disintegrating and they are certain attached to their materialistic way of view of life, so to speak. So, you know, that needs to be updated. You know, the materialistic way of living doesn't work in the new world anymore. And this doesn't mean to deny uh, the material world or anything like that. We need to expand our vision, our consciousness, and really understand higher laws and universal laws and how everything, you know, works for our higher good, ironically. There's always opportunity in, in all of that. Um, but most of all, what I've seen also in myself, right, and many others, we need to be mindful, not get into this negative mindset. And by that, I don't mean just um, forcing yourself to be positive or take the new edge pill and deny the dark. No, we need to face rea reality, but you know, also observe yourself how easily this negativity can get to you and the fear frequency and the fear thoughts. And you know, that's how the matrix gets us as well. And hence the self-care aspect is so, so important. Yeah, there may need to be some physical preparation on a just basic common sense level, but most importantly is really the spiritual and psychological foundation preparation, the inner work to really be the change we want to see. Because again, also there's an aspect to reality creation, don't forget, as within, so without. And I don't imply the you know oversimplified new age way of reality creation of just focusing on positive thoughts and your desires, but no, having a healthy, optimistic vision. There's something to be said about healthy optimism. And sometimes, yes, we do get dragged down, you know, into fear, worry. <clears throat> you know, recently I've also, you know, felt a lot of sadness within myself and the world, like what people are going through. So we need to allow ourselves and give room to feel these feelings as well, not to avoid them or freak out about them, just allow yourselves to feel them. That actually transmutes them. And that's all, most often easier said than done. Because for many of us, a lot of other stuff comes up, childhood stuff, unconscious trauma, or shadow gets activated. All of that is coming to the surface. So we really need the tools and the awareness and the knowledge how to do this work, how to have this deeper foundation and this, this spiritual aspiration as well. Yeah, and that spiritual foundation is really going to be a major key as we switch into Pluto in Aquarius, which we're going to get into in the second hour. But basically Pluto and the jump from Pluto and Capricorn to Pluto and Aquarius is a jump from the material to the transpersonal domains of reality. And I'm not saying that everyone's just going to become like awakened during that period, highly unlikely because we all have different levels of consciousness, but that's kind of the edge that we're working with. So the spiritual foundation is really key on the larger, uh, on, on, on a larger sense. So, Let's go into the fourth turning because this is a very in-depth topic and we're going to kind of talk about it as we go along. So let me just define it. And this is uh, actually from John Maudlin, his description of it. And he says, um, basically in 1997, Neil Howe and William Strauss introduced the concept of the fourth turning and they divided the population into four generational archetypes, the hero, the artist, the prophet and the nomad. Each generation consists of people who were born and came of age at the same period of, in history. They had similar experiences and gravitated towards similar attitudes. So they're archetypes, basically. 
And the change of control from one generation to the next, meaning as each generation comes into age, like in their prime age in their 30s and 40s, you know, the they basically represent a turning in the in this in this scheme of uh, that that Strauss and Howe have outlined. And the fourth turning, the cycle repeats, sparking a generational crisis. And so each turning lasts about 20 to 25 years. And basically, when when he uses this word, he doesn't mean a short period of difficulty. He doesn't. He means an existential crisis. So usually, this is one in which society's strongest institutions collapse or are severely challenged and stressed, and national survival is in serious doubt. So we're in that period right now. And by his timeline, we're basically in the fourth turning, and that started in two thousand and eight. And the fourth turning, if it's like previous ones, is, has certain themes that we're going to go into. So let me just kind of talk about it real quick about the the most recent turnings. So the crisis period, the last fourth turning was basically the Great Depression and World War II. And that was in 1925 to 1945. The high after that, the first turning was the post-war boom from 1946 to 1960. The awakening, the second turning, was the consciousness revolution. So the hippie revolution from 1961 to 1981. The unraveling was the third turning, which was the, uh, the Reagan revolution, which was 1982 to 2006. And then the crisis fourth turning... Uh, is in 2008 to 2028. So originally, I think he thought that was a little bit earlier, but then recently, uh, Neil Strauss went on an interview and he said that the fourth turning actually, he believes the fourth turning started in 2008 and will go into 2028. Which, by the way, it's interesting to know 2028, also very pretty close to 2030, which is kind of the timeline for the uh, WEF, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, uh, Reset Agenda 2030. Yeah, exactly. So let me talk about the first turning uh, and what that kind of represented. And this is actually from the blog, The Art of Manliness um, by Brett McKay. And he says, hi, the first turning. So then these are just the themes of each turning so that you can kind of understand the larger cycles. And then I'm going to link it to the Pluto generations, and that will be more personally related to your generation and what you may have to do on a soul level in order to evolve consciousness during these times. So the high, the first turning, follows the crisis era. So that's something to look forward to, to just know that after this crisis, after 2028, it's going to be followed by a high. After um, after the Dark Ages comes a period of enlightenment, the descend and then ascend. And so basically, this is a time with strong civic values. Institutions are strong and individualism is weak. Ideas that were valued during a crisis are institutionalized. The emphasis during a high is on planning and building, doing big things. Society is confident about where it wants to go collectively, though those outside the majority often feel stifled by conformity. Culture is friendly, but bland and lacks spiritual depth. Big techno technological advances are often made during high eras. The amount of structure, protection, nurturing given to children begins to diminish towards the end of the turning. During a high, old prophets die off, nomads enter elderhood, heroes enter midlife, artists enter young adulthood, and a new generation of prophets is born. So this is a post-war boom, basically. That was between 1948 and 1963, and 1963. The, the first turning. So just to, again, just to be clarified, so we are right now in the fourth turning. Mm -hmm. So I'm just asking you, like, uh, because if you looked more into that than me, um, so this fourth turning so it goes in cycles of four. Like after the fourth turning, we go back to, back the, to the first, first turning, turning exactly. but on a different level of consciousness. Exactly, obviously, it's not exactly. like we're going to re-experience the. No, period no, of, no. Right. And I and I actually would argue that once you add the Pluto generations into this, it will add the necessary nuance right. into it. Um, so anyway, let me just go, go quickly through the other turnings, and then I'm going to talk about the fourth turning. So the awakening is the second turning, and the focus of sh society shifts from building institutions to developing an, inners, uh, an individual's inner life. So new social ideas emerge during this time and experimentation with utopian communities is common. Members of the coming-of-age prophet generations are often at the forefront of the spiritual awakening during second-turning eras. Young activists look back at the previous high as a period of cultural and spiritual poverty, poverty and begin to rebel against the midlife hero generation who made it possible. So this is the consciousness revolution of the 1960s. So this is all the hippie generation 
time, basically. Um, and then he also likens it to the great awakenings of the 18th and 19th century were also examples of awakening turnings. Okay. And then we get into the unraveling. Um, the so third turning. The third turning, yes. So the unraveling begins as society embraces the liberating cultural forces set loose by the awakening Basically, so all the kind of stuff that the hippies did starts to get really um, Im embedded into the culture. Um, individualism and personal satisfaction are at their highest, while community and trust in public institutions are at their lowest. Pleasure-seeking and extreme lifestyle uh, li lifestyles emerge. Society fragments into polarizing group, which become polarizing groups, which become increasingly entrenched in their respective ideologies, making the reaching of consensus and the taking of decisive public action difficult. Instead of addressing problems, businesses and governments just kick the can down the road, so just avoid it. Confidence in society's future darkens and the culture feels used up and worn out. Civic and moral paralysis and apathy sets in. Art reflects the growing pessimism as themes of dreary realism take center stage. So he basically says that the most recent unraveling began at the second term of the Reagan administration and continued into the 2000s. So this is like the 80s and 90s, basically. And you know what's kind of, I'll just interject real quick. Yes. So this is what you just mentioned with the unraveling. And, and as I see from this first, second, and third turning, and the unraveling third turning, when, um, as you said, that begins as society, society embrace, embraces the liberating cultural forces set loose by the awakening. Yes. So it's very similar to the evolutionary astrology concept or mirrored other esoteric traditions of the evolution of consciousness, going from the consensus state into individual stated state. And then the individuated state becomes the new individual stated, individuated state becomes the consensus state. Yeah, right? exactly. And then it's out of that, a new consensus state, the new individual state, it's state uh, is built upon and, and so on and totally. so forth. Totally, yeah, right? exactly. Because like evolutionary astrology, which we get into a second, follows natural law. And I personally think looking at this, you know, basically natural law is observable in nature. You can't, like you can prove it actually through through understanding the laws that govern nature. So what I'm, what I'm thinking is a part of him was also just kind of tuning into natural law through observing the, the themes of history, basically. Okay. So, um, and you can see this, you know, when he started this kind of like the pessimism, think about the grunge movement, all like the kind of metal music and like, you know, the music, That's the apathy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Kurt Cobain came out during this period, yes. you know, and he was such a figure of this kind of third turning. Anyway, okay, so the crisis, fourth turning. So we're in the fourth turning now. And according to the, the, the guy who wrote this book, Neil Strauss, he says that it started in 2008. So, and it goes until 2028. And he says, uh, or sorry, um, this is from the Art of Manliness blog still. And he, and he describes that as an era when America's institutional life is destroyed and rebuilt into response to a perceived threat to the nation's survival. This threat can take several forms. Economic distress caused by defaulting on national debt, hyperinflation or widespread unemployment, social distress caused by class or race warfare, ecological distress caused by natural or man-made disasters, energy or water shortages, epidemics slash pandemics, secessions and civil revolts, and traditional nuclear or cyber warfare are some of the possibilities. So that was, he wrote this a long time ago. Yes, 1997, yes. The no, Christ nine, 1997, yeah, 1997, yeah. Okay, so going back to it, the crisis can be caused by one large threat or by many little things that society failed to deal with during the unraveling finally coming to a head. Mm -hmm. Obviously, societies are forced with wars and crises all the time. It is how society responds to the crisis that determines wh
No matter what form the crisis takes, it galvanizes people into an action-taking consensus. Problems that were once kicked down the road during the unraveling are finally taken by the horns. Civic authority revives. Cultural expression redirects towards community purpose. Community is a huge aspect of the fourth turning. Um, and people begin to locate themselves as members of a larger group. Self-sacrifice, institution building, and consensus replace self-interest, personal develop, and contrarianism as values society encourages. Wanting to protect their children from the turmoil surrounding them, parents become overprotective during a crisis. So America experienced a crisis era during the Revolutionary and Civil Wars, Our previous crisis began with the Great Depression and ended after World War II. And what they wrote in the fourth turning in uh, 1997, they predicted the next turning would begin in the middle of the 2000s and last until 2025. So he changed that and he said actually 2028 it began. So just the message is, um, let me just say one more. Yeah, I know. It's so dead on. It's crazy. And just two more points on that. The overall message is, is to make sure you're ready, you know, just make sure you're ready. Realize the situation that we're in. And then John Maudlin, so I'm kind of taking from a couple blogs here, also said a really great quote um, that America's moves into a fourth turning. There will be a time of great national trial and upheaval. Um, yet seeing this on the horizon does not prophesize a horrible tragedy. The fourth turning could also be a time of triumph. Just as the risk of war is great and the fourth turning, so too is the possibility of accomplishing things that in other eras would be impossible, Mm -hmm. especially in the areas of government, institutions, and infrastructure. It's important to remember that fourth turnings have occurred many times before in American history. Each has been an era where America felt good about itself as a society and a nation, a time when big problems have been solved, when businesses ultimately emerged prosperous, and when people came together with a new ethic of community and consensus. So to understand there's a, there's light at the end of this tunnel, you know, that we have to go through this. It's also kind of like, you know, just understanding natural law will help you understand the evolution of consciousness, which I'm going to touch into when I talk about Pluto. But just understanding that nature dissolves and decays and goes back into the ground in order to emerge as a new form. Think about the but- the caterpillar to the butterfly. We're in this collective metamorphosis, you know, and it's only through our fear of death, of decay, of dissolution, and thinking that it's the end that we are afraid of change. So we actually have to understand that in order for something new to emerge, what already exists will need to dissolve, decay, be destroyed, you know, and that we are in this critical period. And then another thing to understand too, which he doesn't really touch on because I don't know how much he gets into the spiritual perspective, is that we are evolving consciousness right now too. And we are not, I think it was Einstein that said this quote, we are not going to solve this problem with the same level of consciousness that created it. So really think about that and think about your own consciousness and where are you coming from, you know, because you can see there's so much darkness, doom and gloom, fear. People are also mass traumatized right now. They're getting disassociated out of body. The stress of the last couple of years is leading to burnout. So many things, you know, so it is really important that we're going to have to come together and also, there's a big grief process that's going to have to happen, I think, especially for us who are more spiritually sensitive, especially for the people who have lost people over the past couple of years. So let's just kind of think about that and think about the next state of consciousness will determine the next turning, basically. That's my own personal theory, and that's based on, not personal theory, actually, but that's my own personal belief based on natural law. Yeah, great. Thank you. Now, that's interesting. So, uh, as you just mentioned, the people are going to have the hardest time in this first turning right now who are still really in the dark age of materialism, as I would call it, right? Really just having a materialistic view because you can only be afraid of death, be afraid of the future and everything just crumbling materially or physically if you really just are stuck in materialism. Yeah. And that's also the obsession of the the materialist transhumanists, right? Of just their really deep conscious or unconscious rather fear of death gets them into like trying to extend life at all costs trying to stay young and we see this pathology nowadays in in this world even you know of all the 
you know, we talked about this before, cosmic, sur uh, cosmic surgeries and all of that, trying to, you know, idealize youth and all of that and is trying to stay young, young, ex extend life. It, there's, there's death or fear of death driving all of this because of this materialistic uh, view or addiction, so to speak. But as you share this, it's really fascinating because all of it, points to a deep paradox because you can what's happening in the world right now i've mentioned this before you can see it from many many different levels and i would also argue right now with this fourth turning it's even more intense than the other turnings before because of the pluto return of the u.s mm -hmm. number one mm -hmm. and what's happening collectively in light of the time of trans uh, transition and a bigger shift that's happening that hasn't happened maybe in, in previous turnings so it's it has the same blueprint but there's something even bigger occurring i would say on that level which probably also ties into pluto and aquarius but what i want to try to hint at or what i want like to address is You know, we can see it right now what's happening in the US. You could, people blame Biden, right? <laughs> Let's go Brandon and all of that, right? Although we all know he's just a puppet for the deep state and all of that. He's not really in charge and whatnot, but still the blame, you know, and Trump maybe was in the way of it. But when we look at the cycles, what's happening is also inevitable from a much higher perspective. Yeah. You know, all empires have their time, you know, of rise and, 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 destruction look at rome look at atlantis look at the asian uh, persian empire and all of that yeah and we see this now happening within the u.s and it's mirrored in these archetypal cycles be these fourth turnings be this in the in the cycles of the ages uh, as shown through various esoteric traditions the yugas for example and all that um, it goes also in light of evolutionary astrology you know on the pluto generations and and all these cycles but all everything goes over cycles or what you said also the natural law even the hermetic principles right the principle of rhythm of polarity everything is swinging to one side then over to the other side and it goes in a spiral more uh, up and down but the key point is also or look at from the law of ascent and descent we have to disintegrate in order to rise again and build something new yes but like you mentioned there's also there's there's also a big opportunity right now that's what people forget what what you addressed there as well and i was i was watching uh, uh for, i forgot what it was a uh, uh, youtube with um, the guy from valuetainment mm -hmm. um patrick Bet, Bet, david yeah something like that i like him <laughs> he's i like his attitude he's a you know very wealthy businessman but he talked about this this these times as well and these opportunities and he made an interesting correlation he showed about all the recessions over the past years that happened especially around 2008 and those recessions actually very successful businesses were built mm -hmm. right they were started they were started it's when exactly they yes. were started like was Air, uh, airbnb uber yes and other um you know startup companies that they were created in the midst of of a recession Yes, and that right. actually links in with this Dane Rudyard quote where he talks about that you have to plant the seeds of the new world mm. in before before the destruction happens, basically. Yeah. Because when, you know, you it's almost like if you don't plant anything in winter, you don't have anything for spring. Yeah. So that's kind of what we need to focus on. Precisely. That's why, again, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's understandable. It's, uh, you know, all this fear out there, there's panic, worry about the future, financially economically it's almost like a trauma response but people then also get into the free state and without seeing like actually hold on there's an opportunity yes take care of yourself and 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 be practical and realistic on many levels but still be a visionary see the opportunity you know the irony right now everybody's so scared to spend money right now but at the same time we're in in a hyperinflation like we've never been before so just sitting on 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 your fiat money is also just going to lose the, the the value of it is going to lose tremendously over the next years so there's investment opportunities most importantly i see also investing into myself and and all of that to kind of like create the foundation but this is a this is ripe to plant the seeds for the new world right now on many different ways because we cannot go back to the old ways like you mentioned before we need to build something new so it's also up to us as individuals to use our god-given creativity right our will our determination to be anti-fragile in these times and create the seeds for the new world yeah you need to prepare during basically the fourth turning because the first turning will be followed by a high so it's almost like i see the fourth turning we're putting the seeds it's dark it's fertile 
it's fertile for the seeds to, you know, it, 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 like the, the darkness and the density almost like gives us the material we need to plant the new seeds, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, he's, he's very interesting in this book because he really talks about the generational archetypes and he says they always come in the same order, prophets, nomads, hero, and artists, and they all have characteristics. Um, and so he talked about the hero generation, which is the GI generation that was 1901 to 1924, the artists, the silent generation, 1925 to 1942, the prophets, which is a baby boom generation, 1943 to 1960. Then we have the nomads, which is Gen X, 1961 to 1981. And the next heroes will be the millennial generation, 1982 to 2004, and so on and so forth. So it repeats itself, right? So I'm not going to go into his version of the archetypes, but I found an interesting correlation in evolutionary astrology and the generations of Pluto. So basically how this kind of links up is the hero generation is a Pluto and Cancer generation slash Gemini generation. The artists are the Pluto and Cancer generation to the Pluto and Leo generation. The prophets are Pluto and Leo to Pluto and Virgo. Nomads are Pluto and Virgo to Pluto and Libra. The next heroes are Pluto and Libra, Pluto and Scorpio and Pluto and Sag. And the next artist, Pluto and Sag, Capricorn, then on, right? So um, this is just kind of my correlation to it. So now I'm going to talk about how this links into evolutionary astrology and how this is personally, personally relatable to you based on your Pluto sign. So before I get into it, I want to go over some basic principles of evolutionary astrology and why it is important to understand these in order to understand the concepts that I'm about to go into. So evolutionary astrology is based on natural law and natural science, meaning it's observable in nature. You can correlate it in nature. You don't need to believe in it in order for it to be real. It's happening already. So it's really important to understand that astrology does not determine life. It reflects the life cycles of nature. So it's not determining things. It's reflecting something that's already existence, already in existence in natural law. So you can actually observe and correlate the truth of astrology in any natural process in nature, basically, in yes, life it, itself. It goes actually in line with the natural um, hermetic principle, as above, so below, as within, so without. Yes. Right? I think the biggest misconception of people who don't know astrology or that have also bought into the many oversimplification distortions of astrology over the years, especially since it has become more quote-unquote mainstream stream the new age has distorted it that like you just said it's not deterministic it does the planets don't impel you to do anything they're no. not also they're not also not external of you they're more a reflection of deeper collective and personal psychic processes it shows potentialities not actualities i think yes. that's the key thing um so natural law is basically guided by two main principles we've touched on it there's involution and evolution so evolution and involution. Involution is about endings, destruction, dissolution, dissolving of current structures. I see, I mean, we're both evolving and, and, and involving all the time. And then evolution is change. It means a transmutation of one form into another. And then there's two types of evolution. There's cataclysmic, which is like sudden, fast, and then there's slow and steady. And ultimately, the soul evolves from ego into soul, and then back to source. And the whole point of Pluto in the chart is to eliminate all desires until only one desire is left, to return to the divine, to unite with the divine, basically. But the main thing is, is I think the spiritual misconception we have is that in order to unite with the divine, you just become an aesthetic and you just pretend you don't have any desires. But the more tantric perspective, which we talked about on many different podcasts before, is that if you deny your desires, it actually prolongs them. It actually suppresses them into the unconscious and it creates a complex and it actually makes it stronger. So we want to actually look at the unconscious desires that the soul has came in here with, seen by Pluto, because they're clues to what the soul is looking to evolve in this lifetime. So Pluto in your chart represents your soul's core emotional and psychological concerns, and these core and emotional and psychological concerns have been going on for multiple lives. So your Pluto placement represents both, you know, something that you gravitate towards um, and also something you may be in exploring for multiple lifetimes. 
And basically, the opposite sign and house of your Pluto placement points the, uh, it's called the polarity point, represents the archetype your soul is looking to evolve towards. So we are all generationally evolving consciousness in some way seen by the Pluto archetypes. And there is a specific reason why each Pluto generation is here right now during the fourth turning, basically. We all have a certain role to play in evolving consciousness. And... Before I get into each archetype and what it means, I just want to preface this with that your Pluto, um, I'm just going into the overall Pluto generations, which are anywhere from eight to 20 years. Your Pluto is also going to be in a house as well, which you could only really find out through actually putting doing your astrology chart. Um, we do go into this way deeper in the course. I go, I give everyone their Pluto placement house and sign, and I do astrology readings with people in the course. So I'm not open for public readings, but I do do it in the program. If you want, you could always just Google evolutionary astrologers and try and find someone who resonates with you. But just so you know, I just want to preface this, that I'm giving a general reading based on the generations, and there are going to be particularities to you and your chart as demonstrated by house, uh, by house and aspect. Yeah. I want to just note on that as well, because in, in our program, Time of Decision and Body Soul Awakening, which is really a lot of material, we have a whole section on evolutionary astrology that goes even deeper in what Laura just talked about for everybody to get a basic understanding because I want to just point that out evolutionary astrology has helped me tremendously over the past few years as well and it gives you a better and quote-unquote almost objective understanding not only of yourself it's not it's not personality a lot of astrology focuses on personality but your deeper soul lessons and soul purpose even karmic lessons past lives and all of that and the way we structure in our course um as Laura said, gives certain insights to everybody's chart based on all these um, placements and aspects, but really giving also more practical advice and practices, bringing in the psycholog psychological somatic work, the spiritual work, the esoteric work practices, embodiment practices, and all of that that helps you to work with that on a more practical level, and it's not just intellectual knowledge. Exactly. So, um, so we're going to start actually, so by talking about the Pluto generations alive today. And for the sake of time, I'm going to start with the Pluto and Leo generation. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to, even though there's some Pluto and Cancer people uh, alive today, the youngest of them are 83. So I'm sorry if you're a Pluto and Cancer person, but I'm going to start with Pluto and Leo for the sake of this, for the sake of time on this podcast. So this is basically anyone born between 1937 to 1957. If you're born like within that year, you want to Google it and check out the exact dates and find out. But from 1937 to 1957, this archetype includes you. So um, these people come of age during a high period, basically. And the sole desire for this generation was creative actualization of the self. And I think an actual a kind of good person to think of in this generation was Steve Jobs. Is like tremendous creative energy. He linked it with something that was socially useful, a bit narcissistic, definitely from rumors about him, had a total like God complex, was a bit like a king, you know, that's also a Pluto and Leo thing. But the bottom line for this for this generation is to explore this idea of creative self-actualization. So they're just here to kind of shine their creative gifts and show it and show it to the world, you know. So this is actually the kind of hippie generation as well. Um, came, were were born and come of age during uh, this period. Um, so they were, the hippie generation came of age during the high period. So that's what we want to understand. So Pluto and Leo were born between 1937 and 1957, and they came of age, meaning their prime age during the high period. So a lot of these people have influenced culture that we're seeing now. So the hippie movement, Steve Jobs, you know, and there's really just this needing attention and acknowledgement with this placement. This placement is also known for like narcissism and narcissistic wounding even. So you see actually the hippie generation, they were very focused on self-actualization, you know. And a lot of them actually ended up being almost like too self-focused, too narcissistically focused. It's just fascinating to see it in that light, actually. You like tune, what is the 
saying tune in, drop out. Uh, yes, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Timothy Leary and just make love, not war, and exactly. just like don't don't care about you know. That was actually a guy who got hijacked by the CIA content pro content challenges program to to uh, destroy the anti war movement because they're just like oh who cares about anything? Let's just indulge in within ourselves, right? Exactly, which was a which was a core sore <clears throat> in, sole intention of that placement. But the main, so the shadow side is obviously of that narcissism having this kind of king or queen complex, which can be overt or covert. That's why I said Steve Jobs is a good example because he strongly had this creative vision and then it got like too inflated, too high, you know? Um, so the main lesson for this is you must forget that all your creative energy doesn't belong to you. It's not part of you. You are maybe a channel of it, but it's not part of you, it is not basically. You, yes. Exactly. And 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 the lesson for this placement is actually in the previous archetype and the cancer archetype is if you haven't sorted out your childhood stuff and learn how to be really kind of solid in a sense of self-esteem, then you're going to be constantly demanding reassurance and validation, basically. And that's where the narcissism comes from. Um, so to really understand that no amount of external validation for your external gifts will be enough if you haven't had that basis within yourself, that emotional basis seen by the cancer archetype. So, you know, to really also... I identify less with the creative role you have to play you know so that you don't your ego doesn't hijack it and you don't develop this kind of king or queen complex you know and then if you have trouble expressing the this creative energy that i'm describing and you're born in the pluto generation just look at the early childhood how did that affect your self-esteem how did that affect your sense of self so again we're looking at the previous developmental stage um, so basically you know if the if the creative energy is blocked with this placement or if it's over-exaggerated. So if it's blocked, it will be almost like the strong negativity and that light will be very dim and there'll be kind of like issues expressing the negativity. If it's kind of over-extreme, it will be narcissism. So you kind of want to connect to that inner light but without identifying with it, basically. And the number one evolution for this placement is to link their special destiny with something that's relevant to humanity, you know? So the placement can actually kind of be disappointed again and again and feeling like they're not getting the acknowledgement they 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 des they desire or they deserve because they're not linking it to something that's socially useful so it's important to kind of find a higher order of meaning beyond the subjective experience of your own creative self-actualization you know and link your creative energy to something that's socially useful to humanity so once you do that you'll actually find that people appreciate you more and that's why Steve Jobs is a good example because Pluto and Leo did something socially useful, did something that helped humanity, you know, um, and he linked his creative gifts with humanity. So I just want to note too um, that this this archetype of the Pluto and Leo generation will also correlate if you have Pluto in aspect to your sun or Pluto in the fifth house. So that's only for the people who really kind of know astrology so they can kind of apply that if, if you do have some aspects that are linked to the sun. So I'm going to go into one more generation, the Pluto and Virgo generation, and then we're going to do Pluto and Libra and Pluto and Scorpio and then Pluto in Sag in, in the second hour. So for those who don't know, we offer a second hour for our podcast. I think it's about $11 a month, right? Um, and you can listen to basically the whole second hour of our podcast where often we go deeper and we go much more in depth about things we can't even say on the podcast. So if you want to sign up for the second hour of the podcast, go to veilofreality.com and you'll see it under the membership section. So Pluto and Virgo, 1956 to 1972. These people come of age during an awakening period. So um, this can also relate to if you have Pluto in the sixth house or Pluto and Mercury in aspect to Mercury, if you know your astrology chart. So the sole desire for this is to really humble yourself. It's about developing true humility through self-analysis, self basically, in one word or one sentence, rather. So it's finding about, like, how can I be useful to society? How can I offer something function to the collective? And you do this, actually, through purifying your own inner nature, through self-analysis and through looking at yourself and analyzing and, and improving yourself. And through this, you develop true humility, basically. Um, but then the shadow side of this placement is people tend to use this ability to analyze, to break things apart against themselves. And this leads to being self-critical, a really uh, strong inner critic, a pattern of negative thinking where you're just 
taking all the negative messages people have told you and like replaying in your in your brain until you beat yourself up basically so the point of the self-analysis with this placement is basically to gain a more objective sense of yourself and just to improve your consciousness so the problem with the inner critic takes over too much through the Pluto and Virgo generation is it gets to the point where it can be paralyzing or it can just be this nonstop program. I'm never good enough. I'm not ready. There can be this problem of like emerging into the life that you're meant here to lead with this placement, you know, um, or there can just be staying busy to keep this anxiety at bay, you know, which can or even workaholism, which can result in like health problems or exhaustion. This is also a crisis signature. So sometimes with this placement, the, the, these people, this generation need to be pushed to a crisis before they really realize that something needs to be taken care of. A lot of these people with this placement come from past lives of Judeo-Christian backgrounds or very strict religious conditioning, which create the sense of like original sin, like I'm flawed, I'm defective, you know, so something fundamentally wrong with me, I'm unworthy, basically. And this is coming from this almost distorted desire for purification, basically. Um, and and there can be this almost like strong inner critic because you can never be pure enough. You could be never be good enough, basically. And the real, like the healthy side of it is self-observation, self-improvement, humility, striving for perfection, but realizing that you're human and you're probably never going to be as perfect as the divine is, unfortunately. Um, and it's about developing natural humility, basically. And natural humility, not false humility, where you're like putting yourself down um, when you're not overly pumping yourself up. So like somewhere in between being like, I'm human and I have gifts to offer the world and there's something great about me. I may not be perfect, but I'm always learning and growing and that's what matters basically. Um, so, you know, again, this is about developing hu through humility. And the reason it follows the Leo archetype is because the Leo archetype kind of comes out in all its glory. Like, look at me, I have all these creative gifts to offer. And then the Virgo archetype kind of cuts it down a notch. And it's like, okay, you're both human and divine. Yeah, you have moments of amazingness, but you have moments of total terribleness too, you know? And to find almost a perfection in your imperfection and be a true service servant or service to be a true service to others from a grounded place in a real practical way. Um, and then the polarity point, meaning the ultimate evolution for this Pluto generation is basically this 12th house Pisces archetype and looking at like compassion, universal principles, like forgiveness. Um, it's really important for people to learn with the Pluto and Virgo generation to learn how to apply forgiveness, acceptance, compassion, to realize that creation is perfect, whether it's disintegrating or in full bloom to kind of see this holistic view of the universe, you know, and really forgive themselves for everything that they ever thought was wrong with them and just kind of working with that and realizing that there's nothing wrong with you, you know, that forgiveness, the forgiveness you need to give yourself will release the shame that can kind of accompany the Pluto and Virgo generation and just kind of understanding higher qualities. So, you know, universal qualities like faith, surrender, trust in the divine, you know, and for people with this placement, they often found religion early on through this almost like persecutory dynamic like original sin you're born a sinner you know but rather you need to find spirituality through understanding the more holistic awareness of the whole so you really zoom out with this place with this polarity point um so it is really about cultivating a relationship with the divine a real relationship to the divine not from this place that like i'm not good enough i'll never be good enough but like the relationship with the divine meaning you can zoom out and see the the universal forces see the bigger picture see that how creation operates through these larger universal principles and then you learn to kind of flow with the natural currents of life rather than overanalyzing them to the point where you get stuck basically so, you know, this will also generate real humility when you realize that creation is already perfect. Um, so we're going to go into the next two Pluto generations, which is Pluto and Libra, Pluto and Scorpio in the second hour. Um, but I just want people to reflect on that, you know, and also I want to let people know that these themes may be relevant to you regardless of whether or not you're in the Pluto generation, because you may have these archetypes very strongly in your chart as well. So I just want to point that out as an extra kind of aside. Yeah, that's an important point for people who are not, you know, 
not know much about astrology or like you mentioned this is definitely generational however like you just said uh pluto and, and leo that generation that comes out of age right now but also if you have like you said in your chart which you only know if you know your personal birth chart your natal chart if you have pluto in the fifth house so the you take you have aspects of pluto in in leo right or pluto an aspect of sun or a pluto aspect which you sun, and i both have because it, that's true because sun is the ruler of Leo. Exactly. So that's how you interpret it. Yes, you know? yes. And also what you just mentioned, Pluto and Virgo generation, or if you have Pluto in the sixth house or aspects to Mercury, right? Yes, Mercury is, exactly. Mercury is the ruler of Virgo. Or even if you have strong Virgo archetypes elsewhere in your chart as mm -hmm. well, that's definitely relevant to so you. So these are just you know? archetypes. Exactly, right. yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So, okay. yeah, in the second hour, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pluto in Libra, Pluto in Scorpio generation. And then one thing I'm going to start touching on actually is um, where I see this going with Pluto and Aquarius as well. So, oh, that's the next. Yeah, because we're going to enter Pluto and Aquarius yeah, in 2023. I actually see it. I mean, just notice the kind of themes in the headlines to kind of tell what's happening collectively. Yeah. And you see this actually, um, this AI, this guy who worked for Google, And his AI, which he said became sentient, got like all exposed on Twitter and then he got fired and whatnot. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that this is going to be part of the Pluto and Aquarius yeah, generation. I mean, we can even like, I mean, the whole market cryptocurrency is down. You know, everybody thinks it's it's done over. No, no, no. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is a huge Aquarius archetype yes. topic, which is going to just definitely take off. You know, in in the Aquarius generation, when Pluto enters into Aquario, yeah. Aquarius, and it's interesting. Also, we can even touch. We talked about him before. Vitalik, at the, the one of the co-founders for Ethereum, he's Aquarius, and we looked at his chart. He has like five stellium, a stellium with five or four planets in Aquarius. So once Pluto goes through, he's gonna just it's gonna affect him intensely. So yeah. Um, You know, astrology and cryptocurrency, there's something to be said that as well, right? Yes, yes. But that's on a side note. Yeah, let's go deeper into all the other um, uh, archetypes. It is, again, it's extremely insightful, helped me a lot. And uh, as Laura just mentioned before, we go into uh, evolutionary astrology in context of many other topics and more practical embodied practices in our 12-week group coaching program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening. The next round starts July 25th. And we're open for applications, limited space. Go to thetimeoftransition.com or go to my website, veilofreality.com under courses. And again, the second hour is available for members. If you're not a member yet, you can also sign up at veilofreality.com. And also want to share again, besides the astrology aspect of the Pluto generations, going to the second uh, half of this podcast, um, I also want to talk more about at times when you know even the quote-unquote po positive side of worry the the uh, motivation for action using the will discipline and all of that and we also see a theme coming up a lot of people are dealing with loneliness and a disillusionment and getting out of the consensus state and the individuation process which results in maximum alienation and loneliness and is part of the path I recently even wrote an article about that, um, you know, the most important realization on the path towards awakening. It's a new article I wrote. You guys can check it out on my website, veilofreality.com as well. And so we touch upon this, these topics as well in the second hour. With that being said, see you on the other side. <laughs> 